Hello and welcome to another episode of Agency Journey. This is Andrew, and I'm so excited to bring you a conversation this week between Brent Weaver and myself. Brent is the CEO over at YouGurus, and in this episode, we talk about how you can help clients achieve their desired outcomes. A lot of agencies frame the work that they do around the deliverables that they create, and this gets them stuck in a paradox of, of perfection, trying to do everything to the perfect nth degree. You can think about the perfect design, the perfect website, the perfect f- funnel, like all the pieces in place and everything, rather than framing the conversation around what does the client actually want at the end of the day and then optimizing towards that. And so in our conversation, Brent and I talk about how to create agency IP by solving the same problem for similar people. We talk about framing your agency SOPs around your client outcomes and how you can specifically document better processes by doing that. And we talk about how to improve the process with each implementation, with each running of the cycle with a new client. So without further ado, let's get to the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Agency Journey. I'm so excited to be joined by Brent Weaver today from You Gurus. Brent, how are you doing today? Doing awesome. Thanks for having me here, Andrew. Yeah, it's good to have you back. It's been a couple of years since we had you here on the podcast, so I'm very excited to catch up and see what's been going on in your world. Obviously, you're working with agencies in the trenches every single day like we are, so we'd love to have your insight and expertise here to share with the Agency Journey audience. Um, if anyone is listening right now and hasn't heard of you before, didn't catch that last episode that you were on several years ago and needs a quick refresh, um, can you give us kind of a 30-second background on how you got to where you are here today? Yeah, totally. I uh, So um, my company now, YouGurus, and the CEO and founder, uh, we are a business school for digital agency owners. So we're helping agency owners attract more leads, win more deals, deliver and delight their clients so they can create scalable agencies and achieve freedom in business and life. Um, that's, you know, that's taken us 20 years to kind of get there, right? Uh, when, when I started out in web, I had started an agency in 1999, ran that business for about 13 years, and that agency got acquired. We grew up to about a 14-person shop uh, and uh, over 300 clients under active management. And the first seven or eight years of running that business was kind of a a roller coaster ride. I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate with the ups and the downs. And I I was kind of an accidental agency owner. I um, was really good at web design and started a business, wanted to make money doing it. And I never actually learned how to run a business. So really all the work that we do with YouGurus is about closing that gap between the technical skills that a lot of agency owners have uh, and closing that gap between their technical skills and the results they can get their clients and their business skills. That's awesome. So is there... Is there a certain aspect of the journey from the business school perspective you you like to go like really deep on or really hammer home or like is there a framework you got, you're typically walking folks through to to kind of help bridge that gap there? Yeah, I and mean, one so one of the things we did for for a long time was kind of run this sales boot camp and accelerator. And we still do a lot of that type of work of helping agency owners. Uh, to attract and win higher value projects. So going from you know average projects, let's say in the five to 8K range to helping them really break that 10K barrier, 20K barrier, 50K barrier uh, and beyond. But one of the things that we found over the last few years was that um, while helping agency owners sell bigger projects is exciting and it definitely uh, lands some, you know, kind of marquee wins, uh, 
helping them to actually scale and create freedom sometimes is, uh, you know, helping people just land bigger projects is sometimes counterproductive to helping yeah. the agency owner actually achieve freedom. And so the last couple of years, we've really been focused on helping agencies on the strategy side, finding that market that they can focus on and become an authority in mm -hmm. and, and create a lot more fun uh, in the business, right? Create a lot more interesting scale for the agency owner where they're not the bottleneck. They're not having to be, you know, working 80 or 90 hours a week trying to deliver these huge projects. We want to see a lot more repeatability and scalability within those businesses. That's awesome. And that's, I mean, we're huge advocates of like the focus point there at Zen Pilot, we come at it from like the operational side, a lot of process documentation, project management, that whole world gets a whole lot easier when every client kind of looks at least similar and not like brand new, different folks rolling off the street. So we're huge advocates of that. And we've had David Baker on the podcast too, from um, yeah. like expertise focus. So I love kind of that direction and was really excited to chat with you here today to talk about what are some of the, when it comes to that, like picking a market, picking a focus there, what are some of the unforeseen benefits that an agency owner might extract from that? Because I think a lot of folks, we've, we've definitely hammered it home here on our podcast and in our communities, like you've got to pick a group of folks that you want to serve and serve well and a problem that you want to solve, a problem that's costly, you know, to the audience that you want to serve. But there's also a lot of benefits that come out of that that are kind of on the back end of it. Um, and just wanted to kind of point the conversation in that direction and kind of take this up to the master's level, if we could. Um, yeah. All the, all the agencies that, that you've kind of walked through this process, what is some fruit or what are some stories that, have you, that you have seen come out that owners are like, hmm, that was, that was really cool, or that's maybe a second chance to double down once they get there? Um, any, anything pop to mind on that sense from an, from an owner's perspective of something that they may not have thought about on this front? Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people, when they first come to our business, it's around a, you know, I'm not getting enough leads, I'm super dependent on referrals and word of mouth, I don't have a marketing engine. And, and while that's not like a surface level problem, it's definitely a lot of times kind of like the urgent triage problem. Like if a business isn't generating any revenue, then they don't have that oxygen coming into the business. Uh, mm -hmm. They have maybe a big payroll coming up and things like that. And so a lot of times that's like the first issue uh, that comes to us. And I actually remember personally, before I really understood how to build a strategy for my business, that I was, I took it as a point of pride that we didn't have a niche. I remember, I, and this is many, many years ago, I was at a happy hour event and some gentleman asked me, you know, oh yeah, well you do like web design and marketing, like what's your, what's your niche? And I like puffed up and I'm like, oh, we don't do that whole niching <laughs> thing. Like anybody can be our client. And, you know, and he was like, huh, mm -hmm. you know, and he, he very like, you know, just kind of, huh. And, you know, I, I had a lot of ego around this idea of, you know, oh, we really like to solve, you know, different and unique problems. And I just had some, uh, some mindset issue around saying no to potential clients or like putting something out to like putting a flag in the ground and being like, you know what, this is my market and this is the people that I serve thinking that I was going to turn people away. And I thought that saying that anybody could be my client was going to help me attract, uh, attract more business. Yeah. Um, but the problems that I had, I, you know, besides marketing was that every time a new client come in, it was like, we had to learn an entirely new industry. Yeah. Uh, I tell people, you know, I got my unofficial MBA in business because, you know, I went into so many different kinds of businesses and organizations and, and government, whatever. And like, it was good on the educational side, uh, but I spent eight or nine years and our agency was just like creaking along. Like we were 
barely making more money every year. And I was more stressed out every year it went by, like we were taking on, you know, more complexity and it was harder and harder for us to build systems mm-hmm. and processes. Like every project we got would break all of our SOP. Like we try to create SOPs. We try to create project templates. We try to create, I mean, I think at one time we were even using something like seven different content management systems because, you know, clients had such different problems that we couldn't solve them with like one system. And it was when we started to dial in and create some constraints in our business, Hmm. uh, constraint around, you know, market, like who we're focusing on constraints, even within that market around, what are the problems that we're going to solve, right? You mentioned uh, kind of expensive problems. I think it's a, it's yeah. a phrase I learned from Jonathan Stark around, you know, go find expensive problems to solve. And, yeah. and that's totally true, right? So when you, when you focus on a market and you go out there and you do, we call them customer development interviews, when you go out there and really learn that market, learn their language, learn what's kind of keeping them up at night, and you map that to your services and solutions, uh, that creates you know, a lot of high value opportunities. And that's great on the marketing and sales side, but then on the delivery side, what ends up happening is you start to get repetition where like, if you're, and I'll use a simple niche here today uh, as an example, like a restaurant niche, right? Yeah. Restaurants by and large have the same problems, right? And when we were focusing on the restaurant niche, the first few were like really hard, but I got to the point after like our, you know, after 12 restaurant sites and, and, and having 12 clients in that niche, of like, I can walk into a sales meeting and kind of be like, guys, I know what you need. Yeah. I just need to know like what your specific flavor, like what makes you unique in the marketplace? Great, cool. We've got partnerships with OpenTable, with Yelp, with, you know, these different types of, you know, the, the local independent restaurant associations. Like we can get you guys plugged in. Yeah. Like we already know how to get you to the number one spot in SEO and things like that. I just need to know, are you American cuisine? Are you new American cuisine? Are you, you know, what's your kind of take on that? Yeah. And, and then our team, literally when we got a new client, like they would just copy the last project and then, you know, pretty it up and make it unique to that customer. And so our development time and our, our templates and our task lists started to actually be repeatable. So instead of mm-hmm. spending a hundred hours on a project, we were spending 30 hours on a project we were charging the same. And then I finally figured out we actually can get these clients way better results because we're getting really good at this. Yeah. So we can actually charge more exactly. and spend less time on the back end. So that's, I mean, that's when, we, when you get into like the back end benefits of niching, the repeatability actually is not a threat. A lot of owners think, oh, I'm gonna get so bored. It's not a threat. It's a huge opportunity for them to create those systems and processes that they so desire. Yeah. And w- like one thing I've seen from the operational side of things is there's, there's like a hesitancy to make the jump. And what happens is in those, in those organizations, the senior folks there are overstrapped with questions. They're overstrapped and stressed because they need to kind of support the junior members of the team in, okay, what is the strategy we do for this type of business? Cause we've never done anything like this before. And so from like a staffing perspective, there's a whole host of issues when playbooks aren't repeatable um, that can kind of make themselves known in that sense. So, I mean, you can see freedom from the owner and then freedom from the team here. If you're able to fully embrace it from the operational side um, and standardize things. And you mentioned like the fear of stuff being boring. Um, can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? And is if we focus on a specific problem and we kind of master a solution to solve the problem, is my team going to get bored and leave me because they're doing the same things every day? 
Well, the short answer is is no. Um, chances are they're probably going to actually get better at their craft by thinking uh, about some higher level problems. You know, mm-hmm. I mentioned, you know, one of one of the things that became one of the most valuable pieces of intellectual property for our agency became our uh, the reusable frameworks and templates that we were able to build. Uh, for the sites that we were creating. And so what ends up happening is like, you know, you do something the same a couple of times, uh, you know, and then you end up in a team meeting. And then the second that team member is like, hey, I feel like I'm just like, I'm having to kind of move dirt twice or three, you know, I'm I'm doing the same thing over and over. Like you as a leader, instead of, you know, saying like, just deal with it, uh, (laughs) going in there and being like, hey, let's like, how do we make it to where we don't have to do that thing anymore, right? How can we build a system or a framework around this, around this idea? We actually got into one, one niche, um, and, and it was a little bit of a, of a lower value niche, a lot more solo operators in this niche. And we built uh, a few frameworks, you know, kind of templatized op- options for the clients where we'd go in there and kind of personalize them. Mm-hmm. And we actually distilled our, uh, our website build process to the point where we were building sites for the clients in five hours. And we, yeah, I mean, it was like full, like full custom, like looking website, right? Within five hours, because we dialed down like the options, Mm -hmm. the clients were happy as ever because they could sign up for our service. And in a few days, they got a custom site up and running for their business. So they could promote and they could get leads and they could get clients, the things that they care about. Uh, And you know, what happened was we were able to then put team members on to the project that not only would it take five hours, but we could put junior designers onto, uh, onto that team. And then our, uh, our senior designers and project leads, what they did was come in and they thought more strategically about the templates and frameworks that we were implementing. Mm-hmm. So they weren't in there, you know, stamping out websites. Like our juniors came in and they kind of cut their teeth on that work where they were doing a lot of different work for a lot of different clients. They were mm-hmm. interacting with a lot of customers uh, every single week. And then our seniors were actually going, okay, we want to make this kind of strategic design change so that we can u- reuse this template but the client sees it as a vastly different look and feel, but yeah. we know it's pretty much the same thing under the hood, right? It's yeah. kind of like, if you even look at uh, like car companies, you know, like there's Toyota, right? And then there's Lexus, which is the, the, the luxury export US, right? I don't know yeah. if you know that that's, that's the, the name Lexus comes from. Um, a lot of the under the hood stuff is the same, right? And, and so you should really think about the same thing with your agency when you get that repeatability, it's not just like, okay, guys, we're going to, you know, we're going to sit there and push pixels on a dentist website from now on to the end of the time. This is the only <laughs> thing we're going to do hundred dentist websites a year. I mean, that's not how niching works, right? What ends up happening is you start getting that repetition and then it's like, all right, let's build an SOP. Mm-hmm. Let's build a, you know, we have these SO, we have these SOPs that'd be 28 pages long. We could take a brand new junior web designer, and assign them a project. And as long as they use the SOP, mm-hmm. they could get to like 98% completion within one to two weeks of training. Cool. Versus okay. when I, before I would hire a designer and we'd hope that, hey, within six months, they'll be <laughs> doing billable work, right? You know, it's, so it's like, you know, that's, that, that's kind of, you know, and that's, I think what agency owners want is they want to they wanna walk away from having to be the bottleneck. They want their yeah. team to do the work and, and create that value. Do you have any best practices or anything that you've seen be effective when it comes to taking that baseline SOP, that kind of like the intellectual property that you're developing there after working in the same area multiple times 
and then systematically improving it so that that vehicle gets stronger and stronger as those lessons are learned with new clients. Have you walked any leadership teams or any, any practical tips to help out in that kind of application? Well, I think with, with any SOP and, and with what you're doing for your clients in general, right? I mean, clients, what they want is um, they want to get results and they want to have a good relationship with the, um, with the agency that they're working with. So your SOPs should always be built in a way where they're outcome centric, right? What's the ultimate outcome that we're trying to create for the clients and how can we make that outcome? Uh, how can we push ourselves to get closer and closer to the outcome that our client really wants? Uh, let me give, give you an example of one of my clients that niched in the um, uh, registered investment advisor, RIA uh, niche. When he first went in that niche, he thought his clients wanted, you know, websites and search engine optimization. And so he was selling his clients websites and search engine optimization. And uh, it was taking him six months to get to the point where his clients were even experiencing some results. And he had checklists and he had task lists and SOPs and his team did stuff, right? Uh, but he was having a hard time on the sales side, right? Because mm -hmm. he was having to pitch his clients on a $20,000, $30,000 commitment that they're going to get a result on in six months. Six months. I'm like... I'm like, why, what are your clients actually signing up for? And he's like, well, you know, well, yeah, they want SEO because they want to get leads, but we got to build them a new website. And, and, and that takes us a long time. And I was like, why does it take a long time? Well, because we got to do this and this. And I'm like, dude, this is all RIAs, right? They probably need 95% the same thing. And we're, instead of you reusing 95% of the same thing, you're rebuilding a hundred percent every single project. So I was like, what would it take for you to, totally shift your SOP for building websites from a three to four month process to how, how could you get this down to one to two weeks? And he was like, big oh, challenge. I'm going to have to do this and this and this and this. And I'm like, yeah, cool. And what's, what's the trade-off? Well, they're going to, you know, the clients are going to be able to be able to do this, this, this. And I was like, well, what do you think they care more about? Do they care about all the customization and the whiz bang or do they care about now they have a website that you can drive traffic to in two weeks mm -hmm. well yeah they want more leads right okay cool so redesigning the sops and really challenging those sacred cows that we as digital pros hold so dearly we're like oh we gotta custom it's gotta be custom right uh but custom kills like honestly like that's one of the phrases that i i talk about is that custom kills is that you're if you're building everything custom like it feels good for you but honestly your client really isn't benefiting from custom right it's it's the, the shininess is going to wear off in two to three months yeah so really challenging those sops of what you have and focusing more on the outcomes that your client is looking to achieve mm -hmm. uh and this process with this with this agency owner it's been so fun to watch because now he's actually gotten to the point where he's not even redoing the website initially. They actually focus on building these really lightweight funnels that they can spin up in a day or two. They're okay. reusing them for each client yep. and they're using paid traffic. So when he's on a sales call now with his clients, because he has been moving more and more towards outcomes, he, he says, look, I can get you guys, you know, 25 leads starting in a week. Uh, and if I don't get you those 25 leads a month, I'll buy back. I'll basically, there's a, there's a risk reversal guarantee on that. He charges a couple few thousand dollars a month for the service. So if the client signs up, he hangs up the phone and he's able to start generating leads within a week That's cool. of signing the client, right? Versus 
six months was mm-hmm. kind of the, the way before, right? And that just comes down to, you know, understanding what their clients want, mm-hmm. building those processes and challenging themselves on those SOPs and those processes to, to cut out the fat and get to the point where you're really down to the essential things that the client wants. Yeah. And then, um, and then I think the client's a lot happier. And if your client's happier, you know, then you're going to, you're going to grow a more successful business. That's the number one rule of marketing, right? Is find out what people want and give it to them. And yet so often we, like you said, we get so caught up in the creative aspect of it. And I think a lot of agency owners are tying their identity to that, that custom experience. Um, one thing that I run into a lot when I'm working with agencies here is they don't like saying no, either it's a legacy client or it's someone who's asking for something outside of that defined scope where they've marked things down. Um, any wisdom you would share with someone like that who says this client keeps coming back and asking for something that's outside of what we need to be doing. If we want to move in this direction, how do I, what do I, what do I do here, Brent to, uh, yeah, to treat them right. So, um, I, I think, so, so one of the things I cover in my book is, um, is this, this five, a framework of how you kind of go and choose, um, a niche. And one of the A's is authority. And I think what happens to a lot of agency owners and really the agency business model is, um, is kind of team extension, right? It's like, instead of having to be a company and go out and hire a five person digital team, uh, where you hire a web designer, uh, a digital marketing expert, uh, you know, a strategist, a project manager, a content person, right? Like that's an expensive move. That's like, a $30,000 a month kind of investment in a team, or you can hire that one person that's like a jack of all trades, or you can go to an agency and pay them three or four or five grand a month and you get access to like this whole team, right? Mm-hmm. So like this idea of your, your you know, agencies just fulfilling this kind of uh, labor arbitrage is, is kind of the, the traditional agency model where the client dictates what you do for them. Yep. They come in and they say, you should do this, you should do this, right? And, and I think there's, there's a lot of agencies that are built on that model. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that model at a high level, but there are certain outcomes that it creates, right? One of them is that you're essentially an employee of the company you're working with. I think that when you really, when you really focus on a market and you become the expert in that market, that that relationship dynamic changes. You're now not selling team and time. You're selling a proven result that you're able to get your clients through uh, unique intellectual property, which your agency owns. And so that authority uh, dynamic, I think is what will help you get away from this. When you become smarter than your client about their problems mm-hmm. and about their solution, then they will look up to you and they're going to come in and say, Hey, what should I do? I mean, if I look at even my own business, I've been hyper niched in the digital agency space now going on well over a decade. And, you know, I could probably write with very basic information. I could probably write a diary entry, uh, you know, for my clients. I know what's going on in the world. I know what thoughts they're having, right? Uh, Because I've studied this, right? And so I think when you, and so when my clients engage with me, you know, they're not asking me to like track my time. They're not asking me to like, you know, hey, how many calls do I get with you a month? Like, I'm like, hey dude, like let's help you double your agency in the next few months, right? Um, and they're like, tell me what I have to do. And that's the, that's the relationship I think that you want. It comes from authority in the market. You've got to master your niche's language. Mm -hmm. You've got to master your customer's 
you know, what's going on in their worldview, right? What are their processes? What are their, uh, what's, what's working in their business? What's not working in their business? What's keeping them up at night? You know, when you really get dialed on that and you build an audience of people uh, that are following you and respecting you and you're getting third-party endorsements and people are telling uh, you, you know, telling the market how awesome you are, then I think what happens is, is the clients start to come in and the, the dynamic is, is very, very different. Um, and what's really cool about this, one of my clients, Nate, he's done this extraordinarily well. He's got, uh, I mean, he's been published, I mean, going on close to a hundred times now, tons of strategic partners in his niche, has really jumped in the deep end of his market the last two years. And now he's built it to where it's, it's really about his agency and not him. Like he, awesome. the agency now has enough IP that he's kind of stepped out of operations and the business is running itself. Uh, and you know, he, he, he's, he messages me and he said, you know, the first time when he had some, some major success, he goes, okay, Brian, what do I do with all this money? And I'm like, I don't know, invest in like, start buying rental properties. <laughs> and so he started, he started doing that kind of stuff. And he's got this vision of, of being financially independent uh, in, in a couple more years. And he's really close to being there. Uh, but then he started getting his time back and he's like, hey, what do I do with my time? Like, I don't know, dude, like pick up a hobby, right? So now I see him on Instagram. He's like, you know, weightlifting and he goes to like these wrestling tournaments and all this kind of stuff. So, so I think that when you become that authority in the niche, right, it starts to become less about your time and more about mm -hmm. the results. And that's really where you'll get, uh, you know, clients are gonna stay with you for life. Absolutely. I love having that as your center framework and then building your SOPs off of that because it's gonna, it's gonna kind of deconstruct a little bit of the, the craftsman per perception that we that's easy for us to bring to the table and allow us to innovate a lot faster working with the customer at the center of it. So thank you for, for walking through that. That was very helpful. Now you mentioned a book coming out. Um, can you give us a little bit of an overview on what's, what's going into that and where folks can go if they want to learn more about it? Yeah, I, um, this project I started a couple of years ago and uh, I'm, I'm excited because it's, it's coming out like right now. Uh, I think by the time this airs, it will be out. Uh, you can, it's called Get Rich in the Deep End and it covers, I mean, everything that we've talked about today. And unfortunately, Andrew, you're, you've, you've asked me some good questions today. I think they go a layer deeper even in the niche conversation, but the book covers uh, the five A's of, uh, of owning your market. So that's kind of our, our premise of, of jumping in the deep end and really committing to a market, mastering that market and being able to scale your business uh, in, in that market. And those five A's we cover, you know, choosing your audience. Uh, how do you build awareness in that audience? How do you, um, how do you attract clients in that audience by talking about some of the things that they care about, not the stuff you care about? Uh, how do you build yourself as the authority, as the expert in that space? So people come to you and say, you know, hey, Andrew, you're the go-to guy for blank, right? Yep. Uh, you know, I have to choose you because you're the, you're the guy, right? I mean, that's what we want for every agency. And then finally, uh, how to build systems to acquire those customers. I call it, you know, a path from, you know, from, from stage or from podcast or from ad to a conversation. And so mm -hmm. we want to make sure that every agency's strategy, whether drawn on a napkin or a comprehensive business plan, we at least check off all those five A's. We take you through that journey. Uh, and, and speaking of journey, dude, your, your show is, is Agency Journey. And what I did was a, a little unique was I actually kind of created um, 
a character Heather based on a handful of my clients kind of like uh, uh, amalgamized together and we follow Heather's journey awesome. from generalist to specialist. And so it's kind of got an interesting take, probably a little bit different than most of your, your business books. So you can actually, you can check that out. Uh, the book is called Get Rich in the Deep End. It's at ownyourmarket.com. And we've got some cool gifts and bonuses if you, if you, uh, if you pick that book up. Awesome. Well, definitely go ahead and head over to ownyourmarket.com. Um, that is awesome. Thank you for coming on today, Brent, and sharing your, your wisdom and experience here. It's been very helpful. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with Brent Weaver at You Gurus today. Now, if you are feeling like you are stuck in chaos at your agency and you're not really sure how to move forward without things falling through the cracks, well, then I want you to head over to zenpilot.com and check out some resources we've got over there. You, you can find podcasts, ebooks. Um, and even set up a call with us if you want us to talk about how we can help you standardize your SOPs, configure everything inside of a project management tool. We love ClickUp and train your entire team on how to, how to use that so you can finally leverage repeatable processes to cancel chaos inside your organization and deliver services for your clients with confidence. So if that is you and you're interested in learning more, head over to zenpilot.com and you can find resources there to match wherever you're at in your research process. So until next week, keep moving forward and we can't wait to bring you another awesome episode.